Welcome to Sovereign Grace. Has it been good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. At this time, are there any children that need to be dismissed, or are they going to stay in here with us today? If they need to be dismissed, they may go. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing. Well, welcome. We're glad y'all have. Y'all had a good week? Thank you, Joe. <laughs> have y'all had a good week? Yes. All right. Uh, and, and one thing I do love about Joe Lorette is, uh, when he came in this morning, this is a common answer to me when I ask him, how are you doing? And he said, I, and he said, what was it positionally well? Meaning he's vertical. Amen. That's a good thing. Positionally well. Vertical, but also positionally underneath the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As we begin today, uh, this morning, I just want to bring your attention to one thing, though. Um, a reminder that we do have uh, on this end of the building, there's a little room there. It's the little prayer room. There's also a bookshelf in there with some books. I want to remind you that those books are there. Um, and if you have books in the home that have blessed you, Christian books that have blessed you, and you wish to share those with others, that's what that bookshelf is for. This is not a place to come, hey, I can get rid of some books, but it is a place I'm going to ask that if it's, if, if it's a book that the Lord has really spoken into your heart and you say, I want to share this with someone else, that's what's there. Uh, I, I've had these up here at the pulpit for several weeks and I just have not gotten to share with you. Here's two books that came off of that bookshelf. One is from C.S. Lewis, The World's Last Night and Other Essays. That would be a book that is not commonly read by C.S. Lewis. It's just a lot of his essays. That would be a rich one for you. And here it was one, um, An Experience of Grace by J.M. Frost. This would be a classic puritanical work. Wouldn't that be awesome? So there's books like that that people have brought and shared. Uh, some folks are using those books. Uh, they tell me, hey, I got this book off the bookshelf. Is it okay if I read it? Absolutely. You know, and if you want to keep it, Fine. If you want to give it to someone else, fine. If you want to bring it back, fine. Amen. Um, we, we do love good books in this church. The Bible is the center of all that we do. Uh, yet sometimes to understand God's word, another book is helpful. We don't replace God's word with a book, but another work from a good thinker, a Christian thinker helps us understand God's word. And so we have, we, we have that here. Amen. I, we've got a, we've got a church full of readers. We've got some bibliophiles in here. Uh, there's no such thing as too many books in my house. Right, honey? All right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm blessed with my bookshelves. Amen. Amen. Well, let's, let's begin with prayer this morning, uh, this Sunday before the week of Thanksgiving. Let's pray. 
Father God Almighty, we do thank you. Father, dear God, you've given us grace, meaning that you give us favor even though we do not deserve it. Father, we thank you for granting us faith in the salvation offered through Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for Christian community here. I've even been told this week by someone that this congregation is a family for them. Lord, that's something we give you thanks for. Father, we thank you for eternal life and the knowledge of the only true God who you are through your Son, Jesus Christ, who you, Father, have sent into this world. Lord, we give thanks for things that are temporary. Sometimes we don't give thanks at all. And so, God, this morning I pray that your Holy Spirit would be in this room and that you would guide us in understanding what thankfulness is. Expressions of gratitude are part of your revelation of yourself as we reveal gratitude and share thanksgiving back to you for who you are and what you do. And so, God, at this moment, please speak to us in your word. Calm our spirits. Let us feel your loving embrace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. As we've just completed a series in Matthew chapter 12, I've been really wrestling with this week how we do, because next week we're going to transition in the sermon time to more Advent-focused sermons. At this time of year, we do that. So this was kind of a bridge week in my thinking and praying. And Lord, we just finished Matthew 12. I don't want to start Matthew 13 and stop. Lord, where where do we go? And so next week we will begin thinking and praying through and, and listening to God and his word about hope and desire for salvation in Christ. That's what Advent is. It's a season of longing for hope of salvation. So we'll begin that tradition next week. But this morning, I wanted us to focus on giving thanks. I mean, this I think it's a appropriate transition here this week. It's not that I want to plan sermons based around the American holiday calendar. The holiday calendar of American culture does not define our worship. Yet, I think today it's appropriate. This fourth week of of November is set aside in our American culture to pause and give thanks. Now, during an agricultural period of our history, This time of the year would be a time of harvest and thoughts of joy and gratitude for a productive growing season, and that would be appropriate. But many of us in this room, I think, we have worked hard all year, but I don't think we've worked hard in bringing in a harvest of crops. Has anybody here worked all year trying to bring in a harvest of crops? So the traditional approach to this week has shifted in our day most of us, if not all of us, have a monthly or a biweekly income that, that affords us the opportunity to buy what we need when we need it. But we, I think we, we, we don't experience delayed return on our labor as generations of past have done. Would, can we all be honest with ourselves? If we need it generally, we have the money to buy it. 
delay is rare in our day and is in this time. We don't wait to buy what we need if we, we generally have the funds and the income to do it. So an agrarian society in past would have worked all season, all year long for this time of the year to bring in the harvest. When generations before us gathered with family to celebrate with giving of thanks, their expression of gratitude focused on the one creator who provided their needs. And for the harvest, that was at the end of the long growing season. That was the focus of thanksgiving. We have worked all year long, dear Father God. You have given us what we need. We pause and we thank you for that. There's something about delayed gratification that brings us to a point of thanksgiving. A biblical worldview of giving, I think, is going to be seen in the letters of the Apostle Paul. That's what I want to look at today. And in your in your bulletin, I've given you a list of passages of those introductions of the Apostle Paul's letters. And I want us to go through those today and listen to the words of the Apostle Paul to the churches of his time. He wrote in the introduction of his letters a genuine thanks. I thank the Lord for you. In all of the letters of the New Testament that are attributed to Paul, this is how he begins, except for one major one, and that would be the book of Galatians. Paul expressed heartfelt Christian gratitude for fellow citizens in all of his other letters, but this one. In other words, in Galatians, he expressed very clearly his disappointment to the church of Galatia. He does not begin that letter with, I give thanks to the Lord for you. Something a little to ponder there for a minute. And so let's take a look here at several opening passages of thanksgiving from the Apostle Paul to the churches and the cities in the first century Roman Empire as the first century church was beginning. We have not stood in the reading of God's word. We're going to look at several passages, but I think let's stand in reverence for the reading of Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. And then from here, there'll be a launching point to other passages throughout the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, beginning actually in verse 7. Let's begin in verse 7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine, I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Let's pray. Father God, even in this short, brief passage, 
in the letter from Paul to the church in Rome, we hear his heart toward your church. Paul gives thanks for the salvation that is offered through your son, Jesus Christ, to these beloved brothers and sisters in the church. He gives thanks for the faith that is expressed from them to you. He gives thanks for the opportunity to eventually come and participate in in fellowship with them and then harvesting together for your kingdom together with this church. He's looking forward to that day. And so, God, I pray this morning in your word, you would speak into our hearts about what is the Christian idea of giving thanks. What is it that we thank you for? What is it that our hearts are turned to? Guide us, Father, we pray. If our hearts are not in alignment with your expression and your word for thanksgiving, Lord, I pray today would be a day that you would would cause our hearts to turn to that, especially before the busyness and the chaos of this holiday week begin. Speak to us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please have a seat. When we look here at Romans chapter 1, I mean, this is a short passage, verses 8 through 15. I could probably preach a whole sermon just on this one text, but I want us to kind of go quickly through some of his other letters and find similar uh, themes in all of the greetings in his letters, but also probably some unique things in each letter uh, as Paul is giving thanks. And I want us to see here what God is saying through the Apostle Paul to us about what it is we as Christians give thanks for. Because this week is a week that we will pause if we're not too busy to pause. I'm going to stay right there. Y'all get it? If we will allow the Lord to stop us and pause and reflect, we will see what we should give thanks for in the midst of the craziness. Because otherwise, the devil will allow the chaos of this week as... It's a lot of work to put family together to celebrate, right? Some of us in this room are beginning to cook now. Some may, some may not, but it is a crazy week. Or, or trying to figure out the travel schedule, if some of you are traveling this week, it's, it can become chaotic. But if we look here at what Paul is saying to the church in Rome, first we have to remember that Paul did not plant this church in Rome. This is not one of his. We see that here in the text. He's, he's giving thanks for what he has heard about this church. He has heard a reputation of these believers in Rome. And it says here, verse 8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Why? Why does he give thanks to God? He gives thanks to God through Christ for them because of their faith that is proclaimed in all the world. He has heard the reputation of this church, and he has heard that they are proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ. And he's giving thanks to the Lord for that, to them. As he says there in verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow my God's, by God's will, I may now at least succeed in coming to you. 
And he says, continues in verse 11 and on, a longing to travel, to be with them. So we even see here a common theme in our circumstance of longing to be with family, to long, a longing to be with loved ones. And Paul is seeing these saints in the faith in Rome whom we don't get the impression he has met before, he has heard of their reputation and he longs to be with them and he is giving thanks to the Lord in his prayers for them. Are we praying for those that we are thankful for? Are we giving thanks to the Lord in our prayers for those who are close to us or that we have an emotional connection to. I think we see this example from Paul. He is giving thanks to the Lord because of their faith. Are we thanking the Lord for someone else's faith? Are we thanking the Lord, our dear God in heaven, thank you for the faith that you have given these dear ones who are close to me? Something to ponder today. As we turn, let's flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, in your bulletin, I have these passages listed. And I want us to just kind of look at these, these, these greetings of thanksgiving in these letters. So 1 Corinthians 1, we see in Romans chapter 1 a, a standard to which to launch from. Paul is giving thanks to the Lord because of the faith of the faithful Christians in Rome, who he's never met, whom he's never met. And now in the letter to the Corinthians, I'm going to give you a little background here. The first, we have first and second Corinthians. We have two letters from Paul to the church in Corinth. And historically scholars know that Paul, or at least we, we this is what the knowledge we have. We know at least Paul wrote four letters to the church in Corinth. We only have two. That means two of them have disappeared in history. First Corinthians is actually the second letter. And second Corinthians is actually the fourth letter. So we've missed the first and the third letter in the series of four letters. Little Bible trivia for you if you're ever playing Bible trivia. You might, y'all gonna be playing Bible trivia with family this week? Maybe. Some of you might. Uh, take this down. This, you might win this in Bible trivia right there. So this letter to the Corinthians, this first one that we have in our canon of Scripture, is actually the second letter. And let us read beginning in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 4, the Apostle Paul writing to them. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of your Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. What is Paul thankful for? He's giving thanks to the God because of the grace that God has given through Jesus Christ to them. Remember in Romans 1, he is giving thanks because of the faith that he has heard about these Christians in Rome. Now in, to the church in Corinth, he is giving thanks 
to God's grace that was given to them. Are we giving thanks for God's grace? We may give thanks, dear God, that you are graceful to me. The idea of grace is that this is God's favor upon us despite the fact that we do not deserve it. That's the idea of grace. Unmerited favor is the way it's defined. And so Paul is not giving thanks for the grace that God has given to him. He's giving thanks for the gift of God's grace through Jesus Christ to this body of believers. I thank God that he has poured out his grace through his son to you. Are we thankful for, are we thankful for that? Again, this is not thanksgiving for himself. He's giving thanks to the Lord for another church body. And that I am thankful for the grace that God has poured out upon you. Amen. Not only, and what's the result of this grace? He says in verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, verse 5, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. The evidence of the gift of grace in this body of believers, according to Paul in verse 5 and in verse 6, is the speech that they have, the expression of knowledge of Christ and of faith that they have, the knowledge of who God is that they express in their speech, in their testimony in verse 6 about Christ and who he is, All of this is evidence that Paul is saying, I am thanking the Lord because this evidence of your speech and your testimony shows me it's confirmed that Christ is in you and that can only happen because of the gift of grace. What a, what a prayer. Amen. I mean, I'm, I'm, as I'm reading these, I'm thinking, okay, this week as we are gathered in prayer around the table, we will ask perhaps some, some families have a tradition going around the table and say, what are you thankful for? And what are we always thankful for? Thankful for family. I'm thankful for mommy. I'm thankful for daddy. I'm thankful for my, uh, superhero doll range, my, my power ranger thing, my, my precious little baby doll that I got for my birthday. You know how it goes. I'm thankful for a good business. All of those are genuine things to thank, give thanks for. Yet what are we seeing in the words of the Apostle Paul? He is giving thanks for the gift of grace and the evidence that he sees in these body of believers as a testimony that Christ is in them. Wouldn't that be awesome around your table this week to give thanks for God's grace and the evidence of that grace in your family, in your friends? Give thanks for that in genuine prayer. Amen? Let's move on to the letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. This is an unusual sermon. We're flipping through a lot of passages today. But I just felt this today, it just, it just really pressed on my heart. Let's take a look at, at the Apostle Paul and how he just gives gratitude to the Lord in his prayers for these people. He's writing these theologically rich letters to. Now, notice we skipped over Galatians. 
Paul wasn't very thankful for the church in Galatia. Um, that was a letter of condemnation. It was like a father's letter to a child. I'm disappointed in you. Now, I'm sure he was grateful for them to a certain extent. I'm sure he was thankful for it. He just didn't express it in his letter. Set the tone. Amen. But when he writes to the, the church in Ephesus, we begin in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And all the verses following verse 17 now explain exactly what that that wisdom of revelation looks like, that knowledge of the Father and of Jesus Christ. The following verses after that give you a detailed list of what that looks like in their lives. So what is it that Paul is thankful for for the church in Ephesus? He is thankful because of their faith in Christ. You seeing a recurring theme here? He's thankful for the faith that God has granted these believers. Now notice this. If, if you, if he gave thanks for a faith that these believers in these different bodies of Christ developed on their own, he's thanking them for them. I'm thanking you for what you do. That's not what Paul is doing. Notice he's expressing gratitude to God in his prayers for the faith that is always given to them through Jesus Christ. He's thanking the Lord for the gift of faith to these bodies of believers. Yet what is hap- what's unique here in the letter to the Ephesians, he says, he's thankful because of your faith in Christ as it is expressed as love toward all the saints. You see what happens? It, the gift of grace, the gift of grace gives us faith. That faith is a gift through Christ in us. And as we are renewed in Christ, in our faith in Him, that is expressed in a love toward others because we are, we are in faith, we are trusting the love that Christ has for us. We are trusting the love that God the Father has for us as He sends His Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us. And as God loves us, and as He has blessed us with salvation and grace, we likewise, as new people in Christ, express that love toward others. Particularly here, Paul is giving thanks of the that faith has produced love toward all the saints. Family. The body of Christ. Now, I know there are a lot of Thanksgiving jokes this week of the family is coming and the eyes are rolling and the mind is preparing for Uncle Bob, who is Uncle Bob. I have an Uncle Buddy that I love dearly, but you can you hear his name? He's an Uncle Buddy. He's my uncle. He's that uncle that we all love dearly, but he can only be buddy. Amen? 
Sometimes we, we prepare our minds for those family members that we're going to gather with before they come because maybe there's a history there. Maybe there's a history of tension. But in the body of Christ, we don't have that. What, he, what Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 verse 15 is he, is he has heard of the faith, of their faith in Jesus Christ and their love toward all the saints. And in verse 16, he says, because of that, I do not cease in giving thanks for you in my prayers. I'm thanking the Lord in my prayers for what I hear in you. Notice also what we're beginning to see here is another trend in Paul's introductions of his letters. He's always giving thanks to who? To God the Father. I'm giving thanks to God the Father for you and what I'm hearing about Christ in you. Wow. Parents in this room, mothers and fathers, how do you think that would affect your child? whether that child is still at home or that child is an adult with their own family, how do you think that would affect them as you verbally pray a prayer of thanksgiving to God for the faith that you see in your children and in their families? Amen? Going on further in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 Paul says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. We do not know who God the Father is apart from God's revelation to us. And as as Paul is thanking the Lord in verse 16 for this body of believers in Ephesus, he continues to add, Dear Father, I thank you for their faith. I thank you for what they're doing through the faith you've given them. And now he asks, dear God, will you give them a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and of knowledge of you? That's an awesome prayer of thanksgiving. Do any of us have a spirit of wisdom and of knowledge and revelation of who the Father is? Do we see that in others? And do we ask the Lord as we give thanks to them, to him for them. Okay, Father, I thank you for the faith I see in them. I thank you for the gift of faith that you have given them. Will you also give them wisdom and knowledge of who you are? That's a, that's a powerful prayer. That's a prayer of thanksgiving. Amen. Now let's, let's flip over to the book of Philippians, a short letter. The book of Philippians, uh, the letter of Paul to the church in Philippi has commonly been called um, a missionary support newsletter. It's a, it's a thank you letter to those who have supported Paul in his ministry. And throughout the whole letter to the Philippian church, Paul is just giving accolades and thanksgiving and wow, you are, you are living the faith as God is asking you to live it and you, you are are supporting my ministry, but I also hear great acts of ministry of you toward others as well. It's just, it's just a rich, rich book. And we may go through that here next, in the next couple of years. I don't know. It's going to take us another two years to get through Matthew. Maybe we'll go through Philippians sometime. It's, it's a wonderful Bible study to understand Paul's heart for this church in Philippi. And so he's thanking the Lord for their partnership in his ministry. 
Let's begin in chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And he continues on, if you continue reading in chapter 1 and on further, he is just gushing affection for this body of believers. He is thanking the Lord for, again, he's thanking the Lord in his prayers with joy. He is joyful in what God has done in this body of Christians. What a wonderful gratitude to the Lord. Thank you for joy. And Paul is expressing his gratitude with joy about this body of Christians. How many of us are joyful when we thank the Lord for others? Something to ponder. I guess we have to also ask ourselves as we're going through these epistles of of Paul this morning, how many of us actually give thanks to the Lord for others? That's the first step. And if we give thanks to the Lord for others and for the faith that God has given other people in the body of Christ, are we joyful in that? Joy is a, is a very important Christian attribute of thanksgiving. It's not sitting around the table, okay, dear God, get me through this meal right now and get everybody out of my house. It's, dear God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for the grace you poured out upon me and my family. Thank you for the grace that you poured out in my children and my family. Thank you for the faith that has come out through that grace. Thank you, dear Lord, for giving me the wisdom and the vision to see this. Thank you, Father. I am happy for this. Wow. What a turnaround in families if we can generally pray to the Lord and joy for the moment and the, and the wisdom of God's grace poured out upon them to see God's grace and faith lived out in your family and give thanks to the Lord for that in joy. Joy. Paul is joyful for these Christians, for their partnership in his ministry, but it's not a selfish Gratitude, it is a genuine gratitude. You have partnered with me and I am joyful for what God is doing in you. Verse six, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. That's the joy. Wow. Wow. Now let's flip over to the book of Colossians. Next book over. Chapter 1, beginning verse 3 of chapter 1. The Apostle Paul writes this, and it's very similar. This, this, this Thanksgiving prayer is very similar to what Paul has prayed to the church in Ephesus. But to the church in Colossae, he says, We always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. 
Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. See, similar acts, similar words of gratitude to the Lord for the faith in Jesus Christ that is poured out in these believers. And the result is the love that they have for other saints. But notice here, as he is giving thanks, he's giving thanks in verse five for the hope of salvation laid up for you in heaven, the hope of eternal life laid up for you in heaven, and also the fruit that is coming from their ministry and their lives, verse 6, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you. Paul is giving thanks to the Lord for the, the, the result of planting gospel seeds. This week of Thanksgiving has traditionally been a time of thanking the Lord for a harvest. Agrarian-type language from an agrarian time when most people would work at home on the farm. Yet, you see how Paul here to the book, uh, to the church in Colossae, he is thanking the Lord for the seeds of faith that he is planting in believers or, and, and the evidence of the fruit that is coming in the whole world and particularly from these these Christians in Colossae. Are we thanking the Lord for the fruit of faith? Are we thanking the Lord that whatever's coming from our Christian walk is actually producing and bearing fruit for harvest? Paul is giving thanks for that. You see that? Not just in this, he's specifically speaking to the church in Colossae, but he's also giving thanks for the fruit that is growing and being produced around the world as the gospel is poured out around the world. Wow. Now, I want to skip here. I want to go to the book of Philemon, and then we're going to jump back to we might have time for First and Second Thessalonians, but because this letter to the church in Colossae, the connection to the book of Philemon is important because it is thought it is very understood that um, Philemon, the, the the man that Paul is writing to here, um, let me find it here real quick, is actually a member of the church in Colossae. These letters were written at the same time and probably delivered at the same time. Paul is writing in the small letter of Philemon. And I would say that the larger letter to uh, the church in Colossae was given to the elders of the church, yet um, this small letter to Philemon was probably handed privately. The letter of Philemon here is written, the, the background here, if you have not studied this short letter, it is a personal letter uh, from Paul to Philemon on behalf of a slave by the name of Onesimus who has run away. I mean, it is a ri- I mean, it's a very concise and short letter uh, that really expresses forgiveness. 
and asking Philemon to forgive Onesimus and see him no longer as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. That's a rich letter. But notice here in Philemon, and we can't say chapter 1 or 2 because it's only one chapter. (laughs) It's not broken down in chapters. So let's look at the book of Philemon beginning in verse 4. As Paul opens his letter to Philemon, he says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. See see that common gratitude? I thank the Lord that for the faith that you have toward Jesus, but also the faith and the love toward other saints. Verse 6, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Perhaps Paul has heard positive things about Philemon's service to the church in Colossae. Perhaps he has heard good things about his friend Philemon and the good ministry that the Lord is doing through him in his city. And so you see a common themes here that were, that is still carrying through all of Paul's letters. He is thankful for the faith that has been given through the Lord Jesus Christ and the love for all the saints, but also the fruit that is coming out of that joyful relationship with our Lord. Isn't that amazing? But then as Paul continues, we won't go through all of Philemon, but then then as Paul goes through this letter, he gets real direct with Philemon, graciously toward him, yet also firm. As God has forgiven you, Philemon, I ask that you forgive my brother Onesimus, who was once your slave, but is now our brother in Christ. Has God done that for us? Has God granted forgiveness to you, brothers and sisters? Has He adopted you into the family of God through the blood of Christ? Do we give thanks for that? Not just my personal salvation. We, we do give thanks for, dear God, thank you for saving me. But do we also give thanks with joy to God the Father for the salvation that He has granted to others? I thank you, God, for saving my dad, my mom, my children, my uncle, my friend, my co-worker, my enemy. Because Onesimus would have been an enemy to Philemon, Philemon would have seen Onesimus as a useless slave who was no longer trustworthy. As God looks upon his human creation as rebellious slaves who no longer love him and are no longer valuable. Yet, because of his grace, he still pours value upon us even though we don't deserve that value and that grace. Are we thankful for that? I want to wrap things up here. In the bulletin, you also have passages in First and Second Thessalonians and even Second Timothy. I didn't expect to get through all of it today. I mean, I encourage you take that list in the bulletin there home for your own family devotions this week. And I pray that your family is gathering regularly for devotions and prayer, especially this week as 
the chaos ensues as work schedules and holidays plans collide. And that will happen this week, won't it? Oh man, I've got to get five days worth of work done in like two days because then, then I have to cook and then I got to travel. And this week can become a very chaotic day if we allow it. I've been refreshed in my own personal study of these short passages of thanksgiving. And I pray that maybe this list of reminders for you to maybe use these as uh, personal devotion this week. Dear God, how do I, how do I express gratitude this week? How do I do that? What do I give thanks for? And then pause if what we're giving thanks for does not line up with what we see Paul is giving thanks for. It's why we study God's Word. It's why we depend on God's Word. It doesn't mean that we can't give thanks for our home and our health and our family. That's, that's all good things should be great. We should be thankful for all good things. And as Christians, as we are thinking and giving thanks to God always, are we, are we praying prayers of thanksgiving? Are we genuinely joyful in what God has done in redeeming us through His Son, Jesus Christ? And are we genuinely joyful and thankful in that He has redeemed and saved our family and our friends? I want us to close out today uh, with congregational prayer. I think that would be appropriate today of all days. As we've, we've looked at these prayers of thanksgiving from Paul, I would love for us to close with congregational prayer. What I mean by that, I would love for Nathan to, to, you know, play some good prayerful, set the tone in the room with some good prayerful music. And I'd love for us to spend the next five minutes or so just thanking the Lord. I don't want to pray the whole time. I would love for you as the body of Christ to see this as an opportunity to stop and pause. It's been a crazy week for many of us. It's, it's been a crazy few weeks. And these next five to six weeks going into Christmas is not going to be any slower. Let's use this time to thank the Lord for all He's done, for who He is. I want you to, if you feel comfortable praying out loud, I want to ask you to pray out loud a prayer of thanksgiving. This is edification for the body of Christ. As you pray silently, maybe you wish to pray out loud too. And if that is the case, others will benefit from that too. Amen. Father God, we, we end our worship this morning coming to you in prayer. I first ask you, Lord, to forgive us for being so busy that we do not take time to thank you, much less take time to pray. We're all guilty of that sin. You are our Father. You are our God. You gave us the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, and our faith in His redemption for us, His sacrifice for our sins, His resurrection from the grave brings atonement for our failures. And so, God, we give you thanks and we praise you for that. I thank you, Father, for the faith that you grant us through your Spirit. I thank you for the faith that you give in us 
that you then cause to grow and produce fruit for your kingdom. We don't do this. You do. I thank you, Father, for this body of believers who love one another. I thank you for what I see in many of the lives here. I watch young ones growing in knowledge of your word. And I watch families growing and blossoming and because you love them and you've saved them and you've given them a new outlook in life. You've given them a different way to see the world and they are expressing the love you've given them to others. And wow, I pray God that that would continue. Now, Father, I, I ask that you hear the prayers of your people as they are praying to you. Father, please hear them and be pleased. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank thee for this church that thou hast given here. All that we see, people that thou hast put thy love in, in their hearts that fully yeah, that it's not just something to do of something, but it is it is their life. So we thank thee for that, for we know that it comes not of ourselves. And we praise the precious name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for our pastor. Ask that you would be with him. Uh, give him the strength, knowledge, and make the decisions that he's wrestling with. Uh, give him peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. You didn't have to give grace, but you did. Father, I don't thank you enough for your grace and your mercy. I truly thank you. Thank you for the grace you've given my son. That too. I do not thank you enough. Thank you for the grace you have bestowed upon this church body. The love of God that we share. And Father, I thank you so very much. For your grace, allow me to see an opportunity to reach out in love to our new friend, Rain. And I pray for him this morning, Father. I pray that your grace and your mercy continue wherever he may be. Father, we just thank you. In your son's name, in Jesus Christ, amen. Lord God, I thank you for your love. The women here, um, as we are free to express our struggles in our faith, um, 
every Sunday morning towards each other, Lord. Thank you for the evidence of grace um, as each is before you and longs to live their life in a holy way, in a way that honors you, that honors their spouses, in a way that honors the way as we raise the children, Lord, or as we do our jobs, whatever they may be. Lord, thank you that we can encourage one another and lift each other out before you. Thank you for your evidence of grace. I'm seeing in my children, Lord, how they are seeking you in different ways and, and how there are changes in their lives that are evidence of your grace, Lord. And thank you for that. Father God, we close our, act, our time of worship, this time that we come together as a body of believers. Lord, we pray at this closing moment that you would love us still and always and every day. That you would use each of us this week as we do gather with family and friends to be that calm light in the midst of busyness and exhaustion. That you would use us to be that binder for our family and friends around Christ, your Son. We thank you for the gift of grace, which is that you have come to us and rescued us through your Son, away from the sin that enslaves us. You didn't have to do that. You, you, there was no, no command, no rule that you had to follow. You did so willingly through your love for us. And for that, we worship you and we're so thankful. Cause us to remember that it is your Son, Jesus Christ, who gives us new life. Cause us to be thankful for that gift you've given us. And please cause us to share that same love and that same grace to others around us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Are all hearts clear? It's been good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. God bless you. Nathan, let's close out in one more hymn. Number 435. Is that a good one? Maybe not that one. <laughs> Number eight. <laughs>